Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Really grasp that, not guilty. I've had the unique privilege, along with several of the men here in our church, couple of years ago one of the men that we were working with in our prison ministry who had truly been wrongfully accused and had served almost 24 years of his life before his accuser came forward and recanted their story we remember that long before he was actually released that he was given the opportunity to plead to a lesser charge and be set free for time served. Or in other words, they would just kind of wash their hands. And he looked at me for sure. I know I've had this conversation with him and I think several of these other men. And he said, that's not the point. I'm not guilty. Not only did I not do what I was accused of, but I, I didn't do what, I'm not going to plead to a lesser, th- I didn't do anything. And I I don't want just my freedom back. I want my name back. And so I think having the privilege to sit down with someone that's as close as we could naturally come to it, to understand the truth, to see the weight of that accusation, not counting years of their life gone, but just the weight of that accusation to be moved. How liberating. And so tonight we're not just here to come together and sing a few songs but we're here to celebrate the verdict not guilty that we have been pardoned the way the freedom of sin has been released and if that's not enough to move us and if that's not enough to move me then I am in trouble I am in trouble I am woefully unaware of the true nature of what sin would do to me I'm thankful for the intercepting power of the blood. (laughs) Amen. Grace is a wonderful thing. Grace is a wonderful thing. If you'll stand with me, we're going to turn to the book of Mark. I'm going to read a very familiar story. And so I I always read these common scriptures with bated breath because I don't want you to disconnect because you've already heard the story. But let's just take a journey here this evening and, and talk about something that I think is significant to all of us because I believe that that we as a collective body are called of God to, to do a service as a church. But I, I also believe that while there are ministers in the church and ministries within the church, I don't believe that is just for a select few. I believe that God has a call for all of us. And uh, everybody's not a pulpit preacher, like everybody's not a singer. And uh, everybody's not a leader. Everybody is not an administrator, so to speak. But 
God does have a call, and that's what I want to speak about this evening from this very familiar launching pad. Mark 1 and verse 16. Now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, Mark 1 and 16, did I not say that? Okay, I heard pages turning. Been so long since I heard pages turning, I didn't know what was. <laughs> I thought the screens had gone out or something. People had to resort to their Bible. What a shame. What a shame that would be. I'm, I'm, I'm being silly here. The book of Mark chapter 1, <clears throat> chapter 1 verse 16. Now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. Note that, they were casting a net. For they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further thence, he saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, who also were in the ship, mending their nets. And straightway he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. And tonight I want to just talk about the call of God. The call of God. And so before you panic and think that God's about to call you to Ethiopia, just relax. <laughs> and uh, if he calls you to Ethiopia, we'll support you in that endeavor. But... but uh, that's not exactly what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about the call of God. And I, I, I prayed today sincerely that the call of God would echo in this very service, that his spirit would speak to us. Amen. And so, if you will, let's be seated in the fear of the Lord and make this journey together. Last Wednesday night, I taught on the subject, the life of a Christian. And in that, we considered many, many aspects of just living for the Lord day by day on a day-by-day -day basis. I uh, certainly love worship and praise, and I love singing. I love the old songs. I love the new songs. I just, I just enjoy the ability and the privilege that we are given on a very regular basis to come in and worship the Lord and magnify Him. I'm thankful for the exuberance of our Pentecostal style of worship. Amen. I, I appreciate that. I'm thankful for the liberty to worship the Lord. To, if you want to say amen, you just say amen. <laughs> if you want to raise your hand, nobody's going to look at you crooked. Everything's going to be all right. And I'm thankful for that kind of liberty. We, you know, we take that for granted. I take that for granted. I'm just so accustomed to being around Pentecost. I take that for granted. and I'm not real comfortable in settings where I don't really feel the liberty to do so. I'm thankful for that. But I also must understand that with our exuberant worship and, and, and with our response verbally and physically to the Word of God and the singing of the Word of God, teaching of the Word of God, I also must understand that my walk with God is not just in, entirely wrapped up into a Sunday shout. Being derogatory at all. But it is not wrapped all into that one fine package. I've got to learn how to live out my walk with God on a daily basis. And I've got to embrace the call that God has upon my life. And I must walk in that and walk with that sense of purpose and know 
who I am. The book of Matthew 22 and 14, the scripture says, many are called, few are chosen. And we've quoted that many, many times. And, and, uh, but I think in order to understand that statement, perhaps I want to say that differently just for the point of, uh, of making a point. Maybe a, a, a better explanation and to some degree would be to say this, not that many are called but few are chosen, but many are called but few respond. So sometimes if we read many are called but few are chosen, it almost leaves us with a picture that God is saying, I'll take you, but I don't want you, and I'll take you, but I don't want you, and, and on and on as though God has some vetting process and we just kind of cross our fingers and hope we make it in under the wire. Jesus is ready, I think, to accept anybody that will respond to the call. Amen. The rich young ruler was called to follow the Lord, but he had a problem. And the problem was not that he had possessions. There's nothing wrong with having something in life. I don't think we should ever be ashamed of the things that God has helped us to have. But the problem was found not in the fact that he possessed things, but the problem was found in the fact that his possessions possessed him. And so now we have a great conflict of interest. It's not what you own, it's what owns you. That's what matters. That's what, that's what gets us into trouble. And so he had grown so used to a lifestyle. And so when Jesus come along, I think kind of just testing his faith, just going to kind of pluck the guitar string here and just see what key you really are in. And so he says, I want you to sell all that you have and give it to the poor. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. The call was there. But the response was not there. And so what does it mean then to respond to the call of God? I want to just dip briefly into the book of Revelation 17 and 14 just to pull one scripture here. These, the Bible says, shall make war with the Lamb and the Lamb shall overcome them for he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings and they that are with him are called chosen and faithful. And so the, 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 the Lamb, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the King of kings, and they that are with him are called and they are chosen and they are faithful. I think that's a very descriptive last line called chosen and faithful. And so we are given a picture or a snapshot, if you please, of Jesus Christ, the overcoming Lamb of God, not staggering and hoping for the best, but an overcoming lamb of God, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And then with him, his saints, and that is the church. I don't believe the church is going to go staggering through this last hour, but I believe it's the church triumphant. Amen. And we've got something to shout about and we've got everything to hold our head up about. We've got everything to square our shoulders about because God has called us. We're not kicking and screaming and reluctantly following him. We're not trying to change the subject, but right here is an absolute portrait of what every saint of God should be. It's not enough to be called because many have felt the call at some point in their lives. They have felt that tug and pull of God and I, I don't want to be unkind, but from the vantage point of this desk of which I stand behind tonight, I've watched many people called of God and in that service get up and turn around and walk out and some never to walk back in the door again. So the call of God will mean very, very little if you don't respond to the call of God. 
And so it's not enough to be called. We've got to respond to that call. So let's look at the progression that's underlined here. We have to respond to the call, and then when we respond to that, that puts us in a position to become the chosen. Amen. And then we are mandated with a word that is so critical to us in our walk with God, and that is faithful. Faithfulness, that's what God desires. Our text in Mark is about the master's call. And so as we focus on these familiar scriptures, we see the power of this call. And and, and I mentioned it a moment ago, but I'm very sincere. Please don't, don't get so distracted in this service. Don't let anybody around you or anything around you so distract you in this service that you miss what God can do for us here tonight. You see, we didn't just walk in here to mark this night off of our calendar. We didn't just show up to avoid somebody calling us to find out where we were tonight, but we came because we want to hear something from the Lord. I want to feel something from God. I didn't just come to feel better about myself. But I believe there can be a clarion call. I mentioned it again, and I'm not just trying to keep on, but I, I want to hammer this home. I prayed and asked God to call some people here tonight in this service to call. Amen, call. There are several important truths concerning the call that comes to us. I think the first thing that, that we just must underscore, and there are probably several reasons that have this particular subject resonating in my heart tonight, but... I think that we should certainly underscore the fact that that God calls ordinary people. I I just don't know how to express this. I'm I'm short. My vocabulary is just horribly inadequate to really convey to you how many people that I have talked to that felt like they could probably do something for God if their last name was... Or if I could just play the piano, if I could sing or if I could teach or you know they and so because they don't find themselves with some certain gifting then they sort of just disconnect themselves but can I tell you that the kingdom of God is not a spectator sport you didn't come tonight to hear somebody else sing and to watch somebody else worship or just to hear somebody else preach the word of God but I believe that God will anoint me And I know that he will anoint you as well. And so that's why it's important not to goof off in church. Amen. Don't just try to sit there and see how long the preacher's gonna last or how many familiar stories they're gonna tell or amen or or maybe what may be be wrong, but let's, let's say, God, I want you to speak to me. Anoint me along with the ministry and let there be a merger of your power and presence in this place. I know what I'm preaching is true. I have experienced it and God has allowed me to have certain experiences through the years to know that God can anoint you just like he can anoint me. Amen, I believe that with all of my heart. And so the Lord uses ordinary, calls ordinary people. So so we see this familiar story of Jesus walking along the Sea of Galilee, but there's more than just a casual call. This is more than just a casual afternoon walk. Jesus was on a mission. He was looking for people. <laughs> and he found Peter and Andrew and James and John. And, and these were fishermen. And I, I'm not picking on any vocation. I just want to talk about the commonness, the commonness, certainly if we were to keep this in context of the day. I really think the point that, that is made here in Scripture for us is that these were exceptionally common men 
They were not trained in Jewish religion. They were not schooled at the feet of the best. They were, they were not as many of the scribes and Pharisees of their day. They were just people like you and I. They were common. They were common. And it was as if Jesus was making a statement in his selection process. You see, Jesus never misses a moment to teach. He's always teaching. He's always showing. He's, he's always revealing it's not just in his words, but in his actions many times as well. And I think that statement that the Lord is making in his actions is that he can use anybody for his purpose. He can use anybody for his purpose. And so Jesus knows exactly what he needs to have. I want to pause here and insert something that, you know, sometimes we have we had a great mission service this past Sunday. Oh, we were so challenged by the ministry and the testimonies of Sister Lynn Jewett and uh, not just... Uh, kind of wishful thinking, but certainly to, to hear the wonderful reports. But you see, everywhere you have church around the world is not exactly how we have church in North America. And so what fits into a North American concept of church and our preaching and our teaching is not something that would necessarily work on some foreign piece of soil. And so we may have somebody come by here and you think that their message was dry as biscuits. But, and they may be having tremendous results where they are in their particular region of the world because God knows who he has to call and where he has to send who in order to get his job done. And somebody we think could just preach the paint off the wall might not even be able to relate to the people in some other part of the country or not the world, but more, even more specifically, maybe even in some other part of the country, our own nation. Our own state. There are many cultures, right, even within our own state. Our own state. And so Jesus was looking for ordinary people. He found four. He called them. Paul reminds us of the Lord's delight in calling just ordinary people when he said in 1 Corinthians one twenty six, he said, For ye see your calling, brethren, how not many wise after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. God delights in using ordinary people. I don't think that Paul was trying to discredit any of the people that are mentioned here or any, uh, any personality that is mentioned here. He's not trying to speak against wisdom. He's not speaking against mighty people. He's not speaking against noble people. He's just making a point. I, I'm, I'm going to tell you that I'm encouraged that God uses ordinary people <laughs> because he lets common folk in. I got to pass. If it hadn't been for that, I don't know where I would be. I'm thankful that he just uses common common people. Uh, last night, my wife was, uh, we were looking for some things on our computer, each of us, her computer, my computer, and, and so she came across the file. She doesn't even remember when she scanned all these pictures in, but it was uh, all of uh, early years of our ministry, and I'm telling you, there's just two kids standing in most of those pictures. And, and I, I looked at the pictures of the night that we were about to leave the church and launch our ministry full time and the church had given us a little party and there was a little cake and I was and we were just children. <laughs> we were just sheer children. And I marvel that our parents were able to just to keep their, their mouths closed. <laughs> I, I can't believe they weren't in the driveway to keep us laying in the driveway to keep us from driving driving out. But but somehow they recognized and understood and, 
and we have we both admired both of our parents, everybody involved in that process. But I'm thankful that God just using common people, and and uh, I wouldn't necessarily I, I could I could bring pictures to prove it's common. <laughs> I probably couldn't get that approved from a power that's higher than me, but I could I could prove it. I could prove it. <laughs> And so I'm encouraged that God uses common people that, that God can just take common hands and put them to a, a very divine and powerful mission and say, I'm going to bless that. I'm going to bless that. And so God goes out to call people that, that they're not only common, but I'm going to tell you all through Scripture, I think a common, another very common thread or common denominator that you'll find is that God always calls people that are busy. <laughs> You've heard this said, if you want to get something done, find the busiest person you can find and ask them. They'll get it done. And that's the truth. That is the absolute truth. And, uh, and so here is the Lord walking along, and he doesn't just find somebody laying on a towel. He doesn't just go kick the sombrero off their head and say, hey, you got a minute? But he found somebody that was, <laughs> he found somebody that was busy working. He found somebody that was in the midst of the affairs of life. These were men in the midst of just simply living their lives, running their own business. Our text indicates that this was not just a casual gathering of men that were just fishing. But Luke says that James and John were partners in this fishing mission with Simon Peter. And so they were in the business together. And then Mark says that James and John, along with their Father Zebedee in our text tonight had hired servants to be with them in their boat. So these were, these were not just a few guys that were out blowing a Saturday. This was, these were men that were involved in the business world. And so my point in bringing this up is that, uh, is that these men were involved in their day-to-day lives. They were, they were just doing what they do. They had a business to manage. They had employees to supervise. They had, uh, they had things to take care of. Life was busy for them. Many people are, are so busy living their own lives and planning their own futures and setting their own goals. And, and to some degree, there's certainly nothing wrong with that. But sadly, like the rich young ruler, they go away without responding to the call. And so tonight, don't just think about this message and in in, in contrast it against everything else you've got going on in your life. Is the Lord talking to you? Yeah, he's talking to you tonight. It doesn't matter how many fish you have in the pan. doesn't matter how many irons you have in the fire, but the Spirit of God would call us tonight. It is if they uh, would think, I don't have time to get involved with this. I don't have time to do this. Can I tell you tonight, you don't have time not to get involved. The greatest endeavor you could ever do tonight is to roll up your sleeves and say, you know what? I am not gonna be a casual observer. I'm not gonna just walk in at service time and walk out when it's over, kind of salute and say, I'll see you Sunday or I'll see you Wednesday, but I'm gonna invest myself into the kingdom of God and how we do that is through the local church. And so here is this divine paradox that we find in scripture, it's a paradox that, that confuses the minds of many, many people. But it, the scripture says if a man seeks to save his life, he'll lose it. But if, he is, but if we lose our life in the losing of our lives, that's how we find our lives. How odd that is, how strange that is. The Lord says if you want to go up, then you better go down. 
And if you want to go down, you just keep going up. You'll find the bottom. And so that contradiction is just more than some people can, can or are even willing to digest. But it is the irrevocable word and the will of God. And so I say tonight, if you want to find living, if you want to find what living is all about, then get off the fence. If you want to find out what living is all about, if you want to find out what serving God is all about, then just stop peeking over the wall and come on in and let the Spirit of God touch you and anoint you. Respond to the call of God. Only as we turn our lives completely over to him can we find real fulfillment. And if you've ever lived for God, totally devoted to the kingdom, nothing you will know, nothing will ever take its place. Nothing. Sadly, some who have responded to the call now are trying to follow at a distance. That the cares of life seems to occupy their time and their thinking. And, you know, we hear a lot of preaching and teaching about being careful that we separate ourselves from sin, but sin's not the only thing you've got to watch out for. We've got to watch out for the cares of this world. There is a... There is a definite warning in Scripture, Mark 4, 19, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in. The Scripture says it will choke the word of God. I know that every time I read this Scripture, I pause and say that. Please don't think I'm just looking for fodder to fill up time. I'm trying to jam something in our spirit. Amen. When, when Mark, when this Scripture is recorded and Jesus talks about choking the word, amen, don't just think about the word being this book that I'm holding in my hand we need to go in our minds all the way back to the book of Genesis when the scripture says and God said let there be that's the word let there be and there was and so if the if the cares if if nothing could stop the word of God amen if void could not stop order if darkness could not stop light if if nothing could stop that and yet now Jesus is saying that the cares of life can choke out the word of God we better be careful how involved we get in the cares of life don't be too busy to be in church don't be too preoccupied with something to worship once you get to church amen don't be so distracted when you get here that you don't plug into what's going on it doesn't matter who's singing it don't matter what they're singing it doesn't matter who's preaching or what they're preaching I say I need to lean in and say God let me get a hold of this let me get a hold of this with every fiber of my soul you know why because in just a few short minutes ladies and gentlemen it's all going to be over the lights are going to be out and this building will be as dark as a dungeon and if we don't get it now then we will miss it because we can't pass this way again Many people let other things crowd into their lives and rob them of their faithfulness. What happened to the vision that was once theirs? What happened? Where did, what, what happened? What happened to that glitter in your eye and that spring in your step? What happened to that hope that was in your soul? What happened to the burning heart that motivated you to say, I must at all costs. I've got to. I've got to lean in. I've got to push. What happened to the love for, for, for our fellow brethren? What happened for the love of our, of our fellowship to say, I know I'm in a covenant relationship. I've got to keep on. I've got to keep somebody's watching. Somebody is dependent on me. Somebody is looking. And I'm not talking about for just vain glory, but I've got to keep going on because somebody needs me to be there. Amen. Somewhere it was just kind of lost in the 
affairs of life. You know, we can lose valuable things. You can misplace valuable things. A few days ago, I was looking for something at the house and, and uh, just a few nights ago, and, and uh, I came across something very valuable that I had bought many years ago. I got just a, just a steal of a deal, and, I, and I, I, just, I was just shocked at myself because it's something that I have a passion for, and it's something that I keep up with. Oh, yeah. And I'm going, well, I was almost embarrassed. There was nobody there but me. I can't believe I let something this valuable. Now, it wasn't, it wasn't diamonds, so don't anybody, don't anybody rob us tonight. <laughs> don't come slipping around. We have ammo. Don't come slipping around. <laughs> I just want to throw that out there <laughs> in case somebody gets the wrong impression. I, I just couldn't believe that I, that I, that I, something that I keep up with so carefully, I can't believe that I had let this go. And so what I'm saying is that we can lose valuable things among the clutter of life, valuable things, loss in the affairs, something else that we need to consider I will hasten the call of God is a positive thing. I'm going to tell you something. I'm not sad that I'm here tonight. I'm glad to be in church. I'm glad that God has called me. I try to tell the Lord that on a very regular basis. I want to thank you for my call. I want to thank you, Lord, for, I'm not talking about being a preacher. I said, I'm thank you for the call. I'm thankful that, that you allowed me to be in the church. Thank you, God, that you, that you gave me a, a, a smooth path to the church. Amen. I didn't always take advantage of it, and, and I'm not suggesting that I have perfect parents or family. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm thankful for a mom and daddy that brought me to church. Amen. And, and, and they didn't, they didn't just send me, but they, they, they brought me. They they carried me. They and they didn't just they didn't just push me through the door and wait for me in the parking lot. But I was grateful for the tears that I saw going down their face and their hands in the air. I'm thankful for a smooth path to the foot of the cross. Thank you, Lord. And so it's a positive thing living for the Lord. Sister Donna Tumman sings a song, It's a Good Life. That's far more than a song. It's a good life living for the Lord. Living for God is not a clarion call just to try to escape hell. It's not just something I'm doing so that I can hopefully be blessed. It's not anything negative in nature. I'm gonna tell you, and it's been said many, many, many times by men much greater than I, but if this is all there was to living for God, this is enough. Amen. This is enough. If all all I would have to hope for. I understand what Paul was talking about. Amen, but I'm gonna tell you what I feel, the peace in my heart to be able to have the privilege to pray. Hallelujah, to be able to put my arm around my wife or join her in prayer or hold her hand and realize that we're not just talking to the air, but there is a God that is hearing me. It's a good life living for the Lord. So following the Lord means that I am committed to do what he asks and, and to follow where he leads. It's a call of allegiance to the kingdom of God. You see, most problems in people's lives begin, the very root of that begins when their priorities get out of balance. You want to stay faithful to your family? Keep your priorities balanced while you're gone. Keep everything in check. You want to be faithful to God? Keep your priorities in check. Amen. It all starts running out of kilter when we get our priorities out of balance. I realize that, that we have to take care of business. I understand that. 
And, uh, you know, <clears throat> no matter how anointed I feel when I'm teaching or preaching and no matter how God may move or even, even use me in the course of a service, I'm talking about in ministry, you know, I go home to the real world. If we don't maintain the faucets, ours start dripping, believe it or not. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care how anointed I was just an hour ago. Things break. It doesn't matter what the Lord would accomplish in your life. It's just life. It's just life. And so I, I've got to take care of business, and you've got to take care of business, but it can't be to the exclusion of taking care of the Lord's business. Jesus said, I know I want to just read this in part. He said, if you'll follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. But if I could just pair, if I could just shorten that, I want to just leave you with this. Follow me and I will make you. He was talking to fishermen, so he said, I'll make you fishers of men. But, but you see, what we really need to realize is if we will follow the Lord, he'll make of us what he wants us to be. Never forget that he is the potter and we are the clay. And he will make us what he desires and designs for us to be if we'll just give ourselves to him. You may be feeling, I feel in the Holy Ghost to say this tonight, you may be feeling the call of God upon your life for something specific. And you may be looking at that mountain thinking, I could never do that. I could never accomplish that. Well, you know what, sir or ma'am, you may be right in the skin that you're standing in right now, in the shoes that you're standing in right now. But he said, if you'll follow me, I'll make you. I'm thankful for the ability to become. I'm not what I was. I'm not what I want to be rather, but I'm thankful that I'm not what I was. I said to my wife, we were talking t today about this and I said, you know, I, I, I would hope that I am a better father now than I was in 1985. I can only hope that. That, that, that somewhere in life has taught me a few things and so I could spiritualize that and say that I hope that I am a better pastor today than I was in 1989. I hope that somewhere through that that God has given me the ability to become. Don't you hope you're a better... Christian today than you were when you started out. He said, if you'll follow me, I'll make you. If you follow me, I'll design. If you follow me, I will mold. And so as we draw close to the Lord, then it's only then do we really see progress in our walk. We gotta draw close to him. There's a great principle and, and that is looking first to your relationship with him. And so that, that is what will make your business, that's what will make your home, that's what will make your family, that's what will make your marriage, that's what will make your ministry what it ought to be. You've got to put him first. Give time to him. You ever felt like you didn't have time to pray? You don't have time not to pray. Amen, that's the truth. You say, well, I can't afford to give. The, the truth of the matter is you can't afford not to give. Because it's in that that God blesses us. And so we give to him, not only of ourselves, but we pray and then we read the word of God faithfully and we must be consistent. We can't neglect the assembling of ourselves with one another. We've got to be faithful in that. If, if, if indeed we're after being called, chosen, and faithful. And so a few days, Monday, I had an appointment at the dentist and so I had to wear a little mechanism here for a for a few more weeks and so she said this to me she said I want to continue on because you've been faithful with this it's working now I'm not boasting here I'm just this just happened to happen to me and she said you know I have so many people that are supposed to wear this only 
not wear this when you're eating, but all the other time. And so she said, I ask my patients all the time, have you been doing good? Oh, yeah. She said, well, shoot me a number. Shoot me a number. How many hours a day are you doing? She said, well, a lot of them say, well, six. She said, you realize that's just one-fourth, 25% of the day, right? She said, tell me what you can do that you give just 25% of yourself to and get good results. So just come to church a fourth of the time, and I promise you, it'll take a toll on you. You, you. you can't just come every now and then when the thought hits you and just think somehow this is all going to come out in the wash, okay, because you're going to get back what you give. Amen. You're, you're going you're gonna to reap what you sow. That's what the Scripture says. And so a lot of times we think all that is just negative, but that's a positive thing. You're going to reap what you sow. And so, you know what? I'm planning on being here Sunday. If the good Lord will, I'm planning on being in this house. You know why? Because I want the right harvest to come into my life because the scripture says if you sow to the wind, you're gonna reap a whirlwind. I don't want a whirlwind. I wanna sow to the right thing. I wanna push the right seed in the right soil because that's the crop I'm after. Amen. Everybody all right? As we grow in the Lord, then everything else that we're involved in begins to prosper. Here's what 3 John 2 says. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health even as thy soul prospereth. And so it's only as we have soul prosperity <laughs> that we can prosper in other ways because you see, soul prosperity is what we're really after but soul prosperity only comes at the end result of faithfulness, faithfulness. So you gotta be faithful in the prayer, faithful in the word, faithful in fasting, not just when the church is fasting, but, uh, but faithful in those things, being faithful to him, amen. Now, what we become, of course, may differ. It's interesting to note that uh, how the text even suggests some, uh, some multiple ministries, or maybe a better way to say that would be a ministries that were eventually born because if you're not careful, we'll just read these little passages of Scripture and kind of stop there in our mind and think that's the end of the story, but it's not the end of the story. And so if you'll allow me tonight, I want to erase the period and put a comma, and let's just take a journey for just a moment. Simon and Andrew, according to our text, were casting their nets. That's what the Scripture says. And Jesus said unto them, he said, I will make you fishers of men. It's often, a said, it's often assumed, rather, that that, that Jesus said this same thing to both sets of men or both groups of men. But the text really doesn't support that. We know that he said this to Simon and he said this to Andrew, which would be Peter and Andrew later. He saw, but the scripture says that in the process of time, that's not what the scripture says, but it indicates in the process of time as he moved on, that he saw James and John, and the Bible says that of them, they were mending their nets. Now stay with me here, because I want to make a point. He saw James and John mending their nets. The text just says that he called them. doesn't say, if to them, you follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. That's what he said to the others, Simon and Andrew. But he said to the others, to the next two, he said, if you will follow me, then I will Called that I'm going to call you. He just called them. I found something interesting. I just 
I just got to share it. The word in the Greek for mending the net. The Bible talks about they, one were casting, others were mending. The Greek word for mending in this, in this is the same word that is used in Ephesians 4 when the Bible talks about equipping. Ephesians 4 talks about the fivefold ministry. I'm sorry. And so Ephesians 4 gives us the fivefold ministry and it says this is for the equipping of the saints or the equipping of the church. And so the word mending in those nets is the same word for equipping. And so if we use that in context, amen, Peter and his brother Andrew were casting their nets and Peter certainly, we know from scripture, did go on to become a great fisher of men. Simon Peter preached a sermon on the day of Pentecost and he opened the doors to the Jews, am I right? He preached to the household of Cornelius and when he preached to the house, Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost. When he preached to the household of Cornelius, he opened the doors to the Gentiles. So yes, I would say that this was more than just a casual, if you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Don't stop reading. Find out what happened. Go to the end. Go on, keep reading. And he said, I'll make you fishers of men. And here now, later on, he's not in a net. He's not in a boat. He's not casting nets. He's behind a pulpit. He's clearing his throat and saying, hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. (laughs) He was a fisher of men. But here's what we also know about John. John became a great pastor and an equipper of saints, if I may use that term. He was a teacher of the word. So what God calls you to do so far as ministry is concerned may be different. I kind of get the impression that he was walking on the same shore by the same body of water. I get the impression from scripture that they were all in boats. Not the same boat, but they were all in boats. One was in a boat casting a net. Another was in a boat mending a net. And so the Lord comes by. The setting is quite similar. The setting is quite common. But he said, I'm gonna make you fishers of men. You, I'm gonna call. And so some he made fishers of men. Others he made equippers of men. But they are none less important in the kingdom of God. And so I just wanna rear back, if that's all right to say tonight, and tell you that if you ever hold the microphone or you never hold a microphone, don't say I am successful or I have failed. I'm gonna tell you tonight that if God will equip you to be a fisher of men, then get after it and start fishing for men. If God calls you to be an equipper of men, then you be an equipper of men and let the power and the spirit and the authority of God flow through your life. I'm talking about the call of God. Why don't we clap our hands for the Lord. Hallelujah. And so from the vantage point of this very service tonight, God may call some to work right here in this building, right here on this property, right here in this ministry. God may call you to work right here in this and he may call you to be a singer or, or, or a, a teacher or a preacher. God may call somebody else to be a Sunday school teacher. and God may call somebody else to do a myriad things. Amen. So what God calls you may be different, but you see the Lord is responsible for allowing you to become, to become. Now, God will never equip someone to a task without giving them the authority to complete that task. And so what is the authority of the call? And I promise I'm trying to come in for a landing. The, pro- the answer is simple. that the, the, the authority is Jesus Christ. 
Jesus was not just a mere mortal man. He was the Lord of Lords, King of Kings, and on that basis, we must obey the call. And so if Jesus was just a good man or a good teacher, if he was just a good prophet or a good priest, then, then we might have reason to hesitate. If he was just a, you know, he was just a good man, pillar of the community. He's somebody you could count on. He's a great carpenter. He got a lot of, of ideas and skill from his father. No, no, that, would be, that may be a reason to hesitate, but Jesus is the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. And so we, he leaves us no choice but to obey if we follow him. And so following the Lord is not just some intellectual thing, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm going to decide. No, it's far more than that. It's far more than making a decision. It's making a commitment, a commitment. Mental agreement with facts is not really trust, no. Faith produces faithfulness, faith. I'm going to step out here on faith. I want, I'll invite our musicians to come if you will. So to trust Jesus Christ with our lives means that we put our lives in his hands by our actions. We don't just talk about this, but we trust him. And you know you can't partially trust someone. You, you trust or you don't. And so the call of God supersedes our occupation. So let's, let's look quickly here at what happened to these that Jesus called. When Jesus called them, they left their nets. And um, I want to again remind you, this was not a Saturday fishing expedition. They left their occupation. They made a huge commitment here. They didn't just kind of wink and nod and say, all right, whatever you say. It was not an attaboy. But they left their nets. It was symbolic of their, ed, their, their occupation. It superseded the call, superseded their material possessions. It, it implied leaving their nets. It implied leaving their boats. It implies leaving their security. They left their occupation, went, which meant for them the same thing it would mean for you and I today. That means that they, they walked away from their source of income. They, they walked away from their material wealth. I know this is really getting kind of close to where we all live, but just stay on the ship with me here. Not only does the call of God take precedence over material things, but it takes precedence over family ties. Oh, yes, it does. Now, I want to be real clear about what I'm saying when I mention things like this, I'm not talking about using the Lord for a reason to neglect your family. That's not at all what I'm referring to. But I'm, I'm talking about this call of the Lord, this thing called discipleship, that, that when the Lord calls us, we can't let family stand in our way. We've got to do what the Lord called us to do. And so, so we find this in Scripture. To just to give an Old Testament example, when Abraham was called, he was called to leave his father's house. Am I right? He got in trouble a little bit because he took his father with him. But he eventually got it all corrected at the end of Genesis 11 when his father died and he buried him. And I think that is symbolic that Abraham got his flesh out of the way because Terah, his father, was his connection to the flesh. And so you got to bury your flesh if you're going to do something for God. That's free. Amen. And so here is James and John who left their father Zebedee. That's what the scripture said. That makes the point. Makes the point that he walked away from family ties. I, Dad, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm through with the nets for now. I've got, I've got to do something else. 
Now, just this past Sunday, Sister Lynn Jewett spoke to my wife and I after church about her parents. She is an only child, and her parents live in Canada where she is from, she and brother and sister Thompson. And so, as she began to talk about, she was not bemoaning her situation. She was just really talking to us about her parents and her a little bit about her life. But I, I began to think about all the years, what did she say, 26 years that she's been in Guatemala. 26 years, an only child has not been across the street or just out of town for a few days. They've been in another country doing a tremendous work for God. And so while we celebrate, wow, wasn't that an exciting report? We're, we're sitting here celebrating celebrating all that God has protected her from and used her to accomplish. But do you know, if I could just be very, very blunt tonight, do you know on the back side of that coin there has to be a bleeding heart of a mom and dad that has missed two and a half decades. Time they can never get back. And so there was a forsaking, a walking away. I don't even know why I'm talking about what I'm talking about except I feel this in the Lord tonight. And so we can't allow our family relationships to keep us from becoming what God wants us to become. He calls us individually and so we must allow him to deal with us individually. And I'm sorry if you think I'm trying to make this about me. I'm really not. I'm really not. I referred to that a moment ago, the going away party. And I thought about many times my wife and I both have said that we just marvel that our parents never said anything negative. They never said anything to dissuade us. They never said, are you sure? They never, nothing. They just prayed for us and supported us. And I thought, wow, that had to take a lot of strength. Because you see, I wasn't a parent, though I was a parent then, but I wasn't a parent of, a, of an adult child who could make a decision like that. And so here we are, here we are now, we see that God is calling us, call, calling us. And there had to be a walking away, a separation. And so uh, Jesus calls us individually, and, and uh, we can't allow things, nothing to, to allow us to become what God would have us to be. Let's stand together. Can we do that? I believe just like Jesus calls us individually, he's got to deal with us individually. And you know what? Through the years, I, and we've had to release people from this church. We're not their parents. I'm just speaking from a spiritual point of view as a spiritual father and a spiritual mother. We've had to release people to go into other ministries and do what God had called them to do. I don't want to try to guilt trip them. I don't want to try to dissuade them. If, you know, we felt that was right, of course, you know what I'm saying. No matter how deeply that cuts, no matter what kind of void this is going to leave, no matter what kind of empty spot, and here's what I've always watched. God has somebody waiting in the wings. And the church just keeps right on going. Not good riddance. I don't mean that. But it's the kingdom. It's the call of God. <laughs> I, I wasn't a pastor when this comment was made to me. I thought, sort of, 
that I knew what my pastor meant when he said this. But I realized today that I didn't. When Brother Tumman and Sister Tumman hugged our necks and they said, we knew you'd never be back. Not over angst or indifference. We just knew that God was taking you somewhere else and doing something else. The call of God. The call of God. I, I beg of you not to charge me with just trying to use too many personal examples here tonight. I'm just talking about the call of God. That call doesn't have to be, please understand, to some foreign country or to another city. The call of God can be right here in this world. But it's not a spectator sport. And so Jesus calls us individually. And so we must respond individually. Perhaps if, if we move, they will move. If we respond, they will respond. More times than not, that's what happens. If we'll just obey God, then it'll all work out. But you know what? It may not always happen that way. But irrespective, we must do what the Lord has called us to do. And so the best way to win our children to the Lord and the best way is just by showing them what's important to us. And you know what? how we do that? We show our children not by words but by action. That Jesus Christ is the most important thing in our family and that's not, just talking, that's not what we talk about when we're feeling warm and fuzzy. But to show you how important that Jesus is in our family even when it's not convenient, we pray. Even when it's not easy, we read our Bible. Even when it's even when we feel overwhelmed and distracted, we're going to the house of God. We're, come on, we're going to church. We're going to church. I'm going to tell you, my heart is pricked and I realize we're in a different day and nobody here longs to go back in all sincerity to yesterday. But my heart is pricked whenever I hear the stories, even of the early days of this very assembly, of people that walked to church. Walked to church. <clears throat> What about the missionaries and their stories that they share of people that give so much just to get to one service? Ladies and gentlemen, we have no excuse. We are going to stand before God with no excuse. <coughs> Is this all right? We're going to stand before God with no excuse. No excuse. No excuse. Amen. I want our children to see in us what's important to us. And so when we come to church, we're not just going to walk in and fold our uninterested arms across our unimpressed chest. But when we get to church, you want to know how to worship? Here, just watch Daddy. I'll show you how to worship. <laughs> you want to know how to pray? You want to know how to respond to the preaching? You want to you know how to respond to the end of a service? Just watch, just watch, just watch, and I'll show you how. I'll teach you. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to point you. I'm not going to push you. I'm just going to live it before you. And so that's how we teach our children because they see what's really important to us. And you know what? When they leave the nest, and they are leaving. Oh, yes, they are. They're under your feet right now, but they're leaving. They're on their way out right now. But when they get out, what you have driven deep into their conscience will never leave them. They'll never leave them. They're going to understand what's important. It's the master's call. Amen. It's, it's the master's call. i got to quit. It's the master's call. The master's call. Why don't we just close with family prayer? Would you respond?
would you respond to the call of God tonight? Would you just step into that and let the Spirit of the Lord This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.